Henderson it through from 58 yards out. We're still playing football. Oh, baby, how big is that? What a great moment. Your triple crown winner the in big 2012, man. Miguel Cabrera. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone to the top. Down River Downlow. Now here's your hosts, Andrew Cox and Jonathan Johns. What is going on, everybody? I'm Andrew Cox alongside Jonathan Johns, and we are back after two weeks off while uh, I was in sunshiny, is that even a word? Sunshiny California. What a great trip that was, but come back from reality and, you know, uh, just kind of... Uh, having to go back to reality and all that. So it, it, it's happening. We went to a Tigers game this past week. How many has it been for us this year? Quite a few. Coming up on, I think, four five, I think. Well, and it's still April. Yeah, coming up. Kind of crazy. So That's uh, crazy. Again, uh, I'm Andrew Cox, alongside Jonathan Shots. We've got a lot going on. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Lions draft because it didn't really get that good of a grade. It was, uh, you know, one of those things that a lot of people just don't really care for, and uh, I liked it. So we'll get into that. And uh, well, there is a baseball team that we're, you know, that we're still here, and uh, they well, yeah. suck. Well, you end up getting, a, you know, a week in the games like we have and had, you know, in recent history as well. And I think with this Detroit Tigers team, they're they're missing some of their big pieces in Cabrera and JD. And, B. Mark finally hit his first home run over the weekend. Upton hit a home run over the weekend. You know, Avila's kind of been the, the person that's been playing the the, the, the most. You know, playing playing well the most. And honestly, I think Alex Avila's kind of the, being the savior at the moment. Kind of along with as, as well as uh, Nick Castellanos as well. Because he's kind of he's he's helped fill up that that that, that third hole. You know that that third spot in your line in your uh, yeah, everyday lineup. But I saw his average; he's only hitting like two twenty eight. So that's I don't know. It it was that wasn't very. And what about Tyler Collins out in center field, running into a Ducci the other day, and and having a pop up just fall right between him and everything? It, it's just for for me, Tyler Collins isn't your center fielder at all. I think he's just filling in for the role for once. Uh, uh, Jacoby Jones comes back, and Jacoby Jones over the weekend will be playing down in Toledo. Um, he's, I think, he's getting four or five games down there. And you know, I think yesterday or two days ago, he ended up going one for seven with a strikeout and a, a doubleheader throughout the day. He was DHing, and today, uh, and then I think not today, but I think yesterday, he was like one for three, I believe, uh, with a single and an RBI or something like that. But so he's he's getting the reps right now. I think he's got a couple more games down there in Toledo, and then he'll be back up in Detroit, uh, hopefully. Patrol in center field again. Yeah, but the, the big one is is Miggy. He's there's there, there's no timetable on him, and that's what bothers me is they're terrible without him. Victor's bad. Like watching him run the bases is almost as painful as the uh, the moment we had the other day watching a friend of ours get their first hug from a girl. That was what was most painful uh, watching. I don't know which one's you know more painful to watch that or you know. Victor running the bases. So, uh, again, we got a lot to talk about. This is uh, this is starting to get to uh, the crunch time of the NBA and the NHL playoffs as well. We'll break down the matchups that are still going on there. Uh, and uh, again, it's it was a draft the other day. I want to you know break that down after we take this quick little break. But we're gonna you know. I want to dig a little further, and I'm not going to evaluate the whole draft because there was a lot to cover. We'll talk about some local players, college, the big names, and uh, we'll, we'll break down these this Lions uh, draft class. I like it, but not a lot of people do. You're listening to the Down River Down Low. 
More schedules and scores than anywhere on the web are at your fingertips at the MHSAA Score Center. You can check out daily schedules and results in all sports at the varsity and sub-varsity levels. Drill down to find out information by school and conference. You can also become a registered user of the MHSAA website and report results. Click on scores and schedules from the homepage of the MHSAA website to visit the Score Center. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. All high school sports, but especially contact sports like football, produce their share of injuries. But never have its players been better equipped, better coached, and better protected by rules which have lowered, that's right, lowered catastrophic injuries. Football is a special sport doing great things for kids, schools, and communities. It's safer than ever, and we're working to keep it that way. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Educational athletics start in a healthy environment. As much attention needs to be given to the four H's, head, heart, history, and hydration, as the X's and O's. Visit the MHSAA website and click on Education for a variety of resources to make you better aware of school sports health issues, including links to free online courses on hydration and concussions. A public service message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. We visited Cabrini during Alyssa's 8th grade year and immediately felt comfortable. The students were involved in the open house and Cabrini had a family atmosphere to it. Alyssa's mom and I decided pretty quickly that Cabrini was the right school for our family. I love the extracurricular activities like tennis, photography club, and the dances. I enjoy my teachers and have met some really great friends. While we are a Christian family, we are not Catholic. My wife and I both felt that the curriculum in the Catholic school system was top-notch, which was the primary reason we chose a Catholic education. Cabrini has reinforced that decision. For more information, please call 313-388-0110, 313-388-0110, or visit cabriniparish.org. That's cabriniparish.org. Now since you turn the tables on me, I've been steady learning on Keeping this turntable spinning. Everything from John You're listening to, to the Down River Down Hum Chops and Shots alongside Andrew Cox. And uh, so we, t- we kind of talked before the break. We were talking about what this Lions draft was and, you know, how it went through. And I've read a couple articles talking about how they would grade the Lions draft, how they would grade, how they would grade each individual pick throughout the draft as well. And uh, so I'll, kinda, I'll try to get to those in a little bit. But Andrew, he, he kind of had a different take on the, on the, uh, the draft over the weekend. We had a little draft party on Thursday watching the first round. And uh, you kept saying the same name over and over again. And uh, he almost fell to us. He fell down to number 19. Uh, we were at number 21, by the way, but he fell down to number 19. And literally every pick after like the fifth pick, it was OJ Howard's going to go here. OJ Howard's going to go here. 13 picks later, he's finally being picked up. And I was like, thank God for OJ Howard getting off the board now. I'll have to hear him for another, you know, 25, you know, another, another 10 picks after that. So, no, it was just one of those funny moments over the weekend. But, uh, you know, Andrew, what did you think about the, uh, the the draft over the weekend? For the draft as a whole in the uh, the NFL, it's it was a long process. Again, every year it's the same thing, you know, the three days and, and all that fun stuff. But I think uh, that the uh, – I, I don't know how you can speed it up. But maybe maybe less uh, cameras in these people's houses, or you know, hey, your first round talent show up to the draft, and that's all we're going to show. I mean, uh, did you see the chronicles of Chad Kelly? That was hilarious. You need to look at that video too. He was being Mister Irrelevant, his uh, his ego was something else. But for the Lions, I actually like the draft. I'm one of the few people that like this draft, and uh, even though it seems like we have this position shirt up for a long time I think the best pick was the 6th round pick of a quarterback and uh, so I'll, I'll break down the picks and then you can bring uh, you can say what the grades were <clears throat> not a problem so in the first round 21st overall the Lions took Jared Davis from Florida he was a linebacker then you had in the second round to 21st pick Tez, Tez Tabor from Florida, a corner from Florida, so two defensive players from University of Florida. In the third round, they took Kenny, Kenny Galladay, a receiver from Northern Illinois. And I, I was 
a little bothered by that pick. Uh, and then they took Jalen Reeves Mabin in the fourth round. I th- believe he's a another linebacker from Tennessee. Then you had Michael Roberts, uh, another fourth round pick, tight end from Toledo. You had Jamal Agnew, a corner from San Diego. You had Jeremiah Ledbetter, a defensive lineman from Arkansas. You had Brad Kaya, a quarterback from Miami. And you had Pat O'Connor, a defensive end from Eastern Michigan University. So breaking down uh, what the picks were over this weekend, like Andrew just did, this was the draft grade that uh, Detroit Free Press, Dave Perquette, ended up going in and, and commenting about each one of the picks. And he started off with the first overall pick for the Detroit Lions, and that was number 21 in the draft. And that was Jared Davis from Florida. He gave it an A. He liked the pick. He said it was a, he's, a, he's a solid linebacker, and uh, he'll be slating in to play uh, middle linebacker for your Detroit Lions, hopefully next season, uh, game one. Uh, in the second round, when they took uh, T- Tez Tabor from out of Florida, he gave that pick a C. Um, he was kind of in the middle about it. He wasn't the the big name player the Lions could have got at that spot. He was probably a guy that a lot of people felt that they could they could have gotten the third round at that point. So they felt they kind of stretched on that pick. Um, in the third round, they picked up the wide receiver out of Northern Illinois, uh, Galladay, and they they gave him a B on that one. And personally, I, I would give him a probably a, like a B minus to C plus on that. Um, you don't need wide receivers at this moment. Um, you need to focus on that defense, but they ended up going out and getting that wide receiver. So, But he gave him a B for the 96th overall pick. Um, in the fourth round, they took uh, Jalen Reeves Mabin uh, out of Tennessee, the linebacker, at number 124 overall. They gave him a B- minus for that. Um, he felt he was going to be a, uh, a player that would be able to step in on special teams, whether it's kickoff, kick return, and uh, really make a difference for this Detroit Lions team. Um, tight end Michael Roberts out of Toledo, the number 127th overall pick, four picks or three picks after their uh, linebacker pick in the fourth round. They gave him a B plus. Um, you're going behind a guy like Eric Ebron and Darren Fells, and uh, it's going to be a tough spot to kind of fill in that role. But honestly, if I was the Lions, there's a guy that he was a steal back in the fifth round, and that was Jake Butt for Denver. And I know Denver's thanking God for being able to get Jake Butt in the fifth round. You know, they're happy to get him. Uh, in the fifth round, at number 136 overall pick, uh, the Lions selected the corner out of San Diego, the uh, Jamal uh, Ogden, I think that's how his last name is pronounced. Uh, they gave him a B uh, in that pick in the fifth round. And uh, in the sixth round, they took the defensive tackle, Ledbetter out of Arkansas. They gave him a C- minus on that. Um, not, in, not an above-average player, but... He played. Uh, he he really s- stood his position playing down in Arkansas and and helped Arkansas get to. I believe they we made it to a bowl game this year as well. So helping them get to a bowl game and protecting the quarterback. I'm sorry, not protecting the quarterback, getting the quarterback because it was a defensive li- defensive lineman um, and tackling uh, and and being a really major pass rusher on their defensive line. And uh, the last two picks, Brad Kaya and Pat O'Connor. Uh, Brad Kaya was out of Miami, and the Lions got an A for that pick in their sixth round. Um, he should be slated in to be the number two behind Matthew Stafford this year, which uh, is not good news for Jake Rudock, the former Michigan Wolverine. Um, but he was, it should be a good position battle at that point. In the last pick, Pat O'Connor out of Eastern Michigan in the seventh round, number hundred, uh, number 250 overall. They gave him a C on that grade. Um, he's an athletic defensive end who took part in the Lions' work day, uh, workout day earlier in the season or earlier in the off season, and uh, he'll be a guy that has a chance, but. You know, it's you know seventh round picks don't always have the uh, most tremendous upside. Yeah, and I have a few takes on uh, some of the the picks and and what they did and didn't do. I loved that they went strong towards the defensive side, linebackers, corners, and they got two ends going into the draft. Those are your biggest needs, but you needed a running back to compliment those guys because you have three guys that are very similar in playing style. And I had talked to, you know, multiple people about this before the draft. I said, well, there is one good running back still out there. Actually two, because Jamal Charles hasn't signed either. So you have a couple good running backs still out there. And uh, maybe they're 
going to offer one of them a very in, an incentive deal like Adrian Peterson got with the Saints last week. So uh, watch out for either Garrett Blunt or Jamal Charles, but you need one of those two guys to be a, a difference maker. I think Garrett Blunt is the better option just based off of who you already have in that backfield. But I, I like that they didn't draft uh, – I drew a blank on what I was going to say. An offensive lineman. Uh. I'm I'm really glad they did not draft an offensive lineman. They did enough work in the offseason in free agency getting their offensive line set. It was a phenomenal job by Bob Quinn, and I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Now, there's a article I ended up reading over the weekend as well that talked about who the winners and losers were of the Detroit Lions for this draft. And they said the number one winner so far was Matthew Stafford. Yeah, you lost and you, you potentially lost Anquan Bolden. He, you know, he hasn't made a decision just yet, but you end up picking up a six foot four wide receiver and a six foot four tight end in this draft. Um, the first loser was Alex Carter, who was a defensive back for your Detroit Lions, because he's gonna be he's there's there's a lot of defensive backs on this team, such as Darius Slay. You know, you bring in a guy like Tabor, you have Nevin Lawson, Diggs, you have Hayden. And you have, uh, you know, you, you also bring in uh, Ognew as well as, you know, a few other players, you know, for that defensive back uh, position. The next winner, they said, was Amir Abdullah because it didn't get a running back, which I don't agree with just for the fact of the Lions probably will go out and could potentially bring in a guy like you said, LeGarrette Blunt, Jamal Charles, whoever it might be. I'd rather see a guy like LeGarrette Blunt. Um, the loser, they said, was Tahir Whitehead. And the reason for that was because Davis coming in, they already said Davis will more than likely be our middle linebacker next year for and for many years to come. Well, that's where Tahir Whitehead played. So you either have to slate Tahir Whitehead on the outside to where a guy where like whether a Levy when he did play or a guy like Tulloch potentially you know played throughout the year as well. Here's something too: Tahir Whitehead did come in as an outside linebacker. He transitioned when Levy got hurt, and that's when they had that, that flip flop. So. I could see it happening. Uh, they said another winner was uh, Kerry Hyder and just about every other defensive lineman because they helped their defense this draft. They did everything they could do to sit there and boost them. And you most would think of that Ziggy defense. Anza would be the one that would be helped the most on the defense. But, all right. And the next loser, and I would agree with this too, it's Jake Rudock. After they, they pick up uh, you know, a quarterback in the sixth round, uh, you know, Ka- Ka- Kaya. Kaya. So those are some of the players that kind of stood out and positions that kind of stood out saying, hey, they might not be the most safe coming in next season. They might not have a, a, a solid job like they did this past year. And, like, I don't think Rudock really saw the field last year anyways. You know, Stafford is one of the, uh, you know, one of the, what, six other players in the whole NFL that didn't sit out a snap. And the other one was Taylor Decker for your Detroit Lions. And another one was, who's it? Was it Slayer Diggs? On the opposite side, I know there was some. Glover Quinn. Glo- I'm sorry, Glover Quinn. No, I know it was one of our secondary players, but those are the three out of the six guys in the NFL that didn't sit out a snap on their respective side of the ball. Yeah, it was uh, again really good draft. Now let's talk some local guys. Uh, there was two Michigan players taken in the first round and a Michigan State player taken early in the second round, which was really surprising. Oh wait, what about the fifth pick overall? The highest drafted. Player from the state of Michigan colleges was Western Michigan's Corey Davis at number five overall, and I'll honestly admit that pick shocked me beyond belief. Would he have been there at number seventeen for Tennessee, anyways? I'm not quite sure because I know like, I'm, I'm not sure. I I don't know because I was shocked by that too. I I didn't think that I knew that he was a good talent and I knew he had a he had a bright future, but I didn't think he was a top five player. I really didn't think that he was going to be able to. Uh, I'll, it's going to be tough to live up to the hype. And from what I've heard from, you know, watching whatever you know uh, background story about him or watching you know game film about him, he sits there and he, he's a hard worker. Yeah, before and after practice, he's catching balls. You know, he's, he's in there. You know, throughout the offseason, he's still working as hard as possible. And he's he has a level head on his shoulder. He has a good head on his shoulders. And he's very smart and very educated. So. Tennessee got a got a good wide receiver. I just don't know if he's top five wide receiver or top five player in the yeah first receiver but, taken. You know, that's, he he went above uh, Williams out of Clemson, but you know, good for him. I'm I'm glad that he's getting the chance to play in the NFL. And just the thing now, the you know, the bad part now is he has a lot of 
pressure on him now. Tennessee's going to be good. Tennessee's got a lot of talent. Uh, I I think they'll be one of the better teams in the league next year in the AFC. Uh, there was before we kind of transition away from this, take a break and come back talk about the Tigers and wrap things up. Well, hockey, NBA, real quick, and then the Tigers and wrap it up. I uh, I'm not quite sure what the Chicago Bears were doing. <laughs> What the hell was that? You are, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're probably thinking, is it, did we, like, did the Cleveland Browns move here? Did, did something happen? Because if you didn't catch the draft, I'll explain this. The Bears had the number three pick. They traded with San Francisco, who had the number two pick. They also gave up three or four other draft picks, including a first-rounder next year, to move up one spot to select Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback from North Carolina, who everybody's loving the fact that he just tweets the most random crap and stuff that probably should have been brought up in interviews with him because he just doesn't seem like a classy person. Well, you just got to think about it, too. Like... Like we all have our we all have our favorite sports teams, but you know when you go back and you look back two years and when you're at North Carolina and you say, "Heck yeah, go Packers!" and now you're playing the Packers' most hated rival. You know you're playing for them and you'll be playing at Lambeau and playing against that highly sought out defense and going up against probably your childhood hero and Aaron Rodgers, and he'll probably be running circles around you and making you look bad. It's just. It's it's not a good look. Like like we all sit there and we all do that, but I just there's other things that he did put on Twitter and on Facebook that might not have been the most appropriate when trying to get a uh, a, a good job like an NFL position. Yeah, let's just say he loves. I'm just gonna lie. Was that? He likes women. He likes, likes women. Women's their boobs. Their boobs. He tweeted. A, he tweeted a lot about their boobs. I mean, a lot. And he he said, is something about kissing too. Yeah, he's just he. He just seems like a hot. In mess. his defense, that was six years ago. He was probably in high school. He's, he just he was a it's s- still sophomore in high school, I guess. It's still something that you know. You think you'd clean your Twitter <clears throat> up a little bit? Well, uh, this is my last point, and I'm gonna say it goes along with Trubisky and, and what he does is running his mouth. What is up with these ignorant young kids that are coming into this league thinking they could just run their mouth, say whatever they want, and think they're going to call out superstars and guys who have been doing it in this league for years? Miles Garrett goes number one overall. Oh, who's – and it's ESPN. We were watching <clears throat> that trash network. And uh, you know. and, and, and it's – and I'll, I'll cut you off there right there, but – because I brought it up to you during the uh, during the draft too. It's Miles Garrett goes. You know, he was being interviewed number one overall. Had the jersey, had the hat on, you know, hat on and everything. He was pumped up, and he just goes, "Yeah, I, I can't wait to get on the football field." First guy I'm going for is Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm like, first of all, you pick out literally the biggest quarterback in the league, one of the hardest guys to take down, and he will truck you. Well, here's the thing. I- I'm going to go a little off the topic where I was going with that. That trash company that I just mentioned a minute ago, they brought the question. In the division, you have three good quarterbacks. Two of them are Super Bowl winners. <clears throat> you know, Andy Dalton, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco. Who do you, who are you looking forward to, you know, taking down the most? And then he answered, Ben Roethlisberger smiled, said his, his little sarcastic answer. And it just... I don't know. The kid shouldn't be calling out anybody. He should be like, I idolize this person. Uh, I can't wait to play against every quarterback. Trubisky in his tweets. Uh, there was uh, there was another one that really caught my attention. I can't remember who it was. But they, uh, oh, the kid from UCLA that went to Atlanta. Gets up on stage, starts saying he did it for his grandma, this and that, you know, because she had passed away. He promised, like, I'm gonna. I made it, and I, you know, I promised her I was gonna make it to the effing show. Uh, I effing made it here, 
on live television in front of the entire draft, and he goes, you can find me later. Like, that's the, the arrogance right there. Like, you're saying you can find me later because he knows he's going to make millions of dollars. So he he just thinks he's above, you know, young kids nowadays. Get a little money, get a little power or whatever. They, uh, I don't know. I just, I, went on, I wanted to just kind of talk about the entitlement they, they, they of these up, kids. They end up getting a little bit too big for their britches. They, they sit there and they get, they start spending money before they're making money. That's what, that's all it is. They go out and they're like, oh, cool. I'm making, you know, f- you know, $1.5 million this year. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, 22, 23 years old. You know, I would never have expected this, you know, five, six, seven years ago. So let's see, uh, you know, let's see what I can try to, you know, let's, let's see if I can start. Oh, I'm going to start putting a down payment on the house before I even make, before I even do anything. I'm going to start looking to get, you know, looking to get a car, looking to buy a house for my parents, a car for my parents, a car for each one of my, you know, like, like sit there and relax a minute. Be a little bit more humble. Sit there because you don't know if come uh, you know upcoming next year if you're gonna tear your ACL and you'll be out of a job. Whether you do that in game day one of practice, you know in rookie training camp, or you go off and you do that you know game one of the season, you can't sit there. But you sit there and prepare yourself and be humble about it. You know you had a guy you had a guy like uh, uh, is it Gary Gary Barnage Barnage Gary Barnage out of Cleveland. <laughs> You know they they end up going out and the, the Cleveland Browns go with num- the the thirty first overall pick or thirtieth overall pick and they say, oh we're gonna go out, we're gonna get this tight end from from Miami, and so he goes out and says, hey congratulations welcome to the dog pound you know so on and so forth what do you say whatever he said about nine forty five you know about eleven forty five at night, two hours later he, he said welcome to the tight end room at David Njoku, looking forward to getting started, and a few hours later he sends out another tweet. I want to thank the Cleveland Browns for giving me the opportunity and looking forward to seeing the change. Time for the next step. In reference to, he was released. Because they drafted this 20, 21-year-old kid and he, he's expected to be the next big thing. It's unbelievable. But like, you, you, you never know. You, go, you, know and you have to sit there and realize the NFL is a business. It's not sitting there playing favorites. It's a business. If you, succeed, if you do well, you do well. If you don't, you know, see what happens after that. And uh, at least he took the piece of humble pie yeah. and went on the on his way. But Especially we're going to Cleveland. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to quickly talk about the NBA and NHL playoffs and where they're at. Just the matchups, not even what's going on uh, and where we're at right now. And then uh, we also had a. The Red Wings had some news over the weekend too. You had the draft lottery too. <sighs> that was a joke. You're listening to the Down River Download. Catch live video of MHSAA championships on the MHSAA.tv website. Live fall coverage includes finals in Lower Peninsula Cross Country, boys soccer, girls swimming and diving, and volleyball. Football final videos will be available on a same-day delay basis. Follow the finals all year long at MHSAA.tv. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Do you know what a concussion looks like? Did you know that 9 times out of 10, a concussion doesn't knock someone out? The signs and symptoms of a concussion sometimes don't manifest themselves until after the game. So learn what to look for. Visit the MHSA website and click on Education for more information. A public service message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Why do they officiate? Here's what they said. I officiate because I love to be involved in the sport and it continues to keep me in shape. It gives me an opportunity to be part of the activities as they still go on. And I feel that I can make a difference and be a role model to a lot of young aspiring officials and especially females, which we really need. You can be a high school referee. Just call or click the MHSAA. A public service message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I grew up at Cabrini having three older siblings that all went to Cabrini High School, and I saw it as my turn to make my mark on Cabrini. I love the school, always have, and always will. My experience at Cabrini has been amazing. Being on homecoming court was a dream come true for me. Both my brother and sister are on court, and all I wanted was to carry on the legacy. I plan on going to the University of Alabama to major in biology and one day become a biomedical researcher. Cabrini has helped me so much to prepare for college. Taking four AP classes my senior year has made me realize the importance of time management and work ethic. I know when I graduate from Cabrini, college will seem like a walk in the park. 
Cabrini Parish Schools are dedicated to education and personal development through Catholic faith formation and quality academics. For more information, please call 313-388-0110, 313-388-0110, or visit cabriniparish.org. You're listening to the Down Over Down Low. I'm Jonathan Johns alongside Andrew Cox. I guess we had a little miscommunication. I'm like, hey, let's, let's come back with Andrew sitting there and just staring at the computer. I'm like, all right, I, hey, it's all good. I'll come back out of it. Uh, but I barely have a voice. <laughs> that's right. So my bad, guys. No, but uh, going out of the, going and coming back into the last break, we were talking about the NHL draft. I'm sorry, NHL draft lottery, as well as. Uh, so what's been going on for the playoffs? Yeah, what's been going on with the NHL and NBA playoffs? Here's the thing: on Sunday, the you know yesterday, the uh, the NBA did what I hate the most: what they do. The NHL doesn't do this. No other sport does this. Why does the NBA do this every year? They had a game seven between the Clippers and the Jazz, and then they had game one of Washington Boston. Of the second round. You still have teams playing in the first round. Why do they constantly do this? It's a joke. The NBA is a joke. Because uh, all they care about is their money. And getting as many games in as possible. And, and not resting their uh, uh, their superstars and their players long enough. To where they can uh, recuperate and, and play the, the next round of the series. And be able to succeed the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, so in uh, in Game 7, the Jazz beat the Clippers to move on to the second round. In Game 1 of the second round, the Clippers beat the uh, Washington Wizards, 123-111. Now, did you pay attention to at all the uh, that Clippers-Jazz matchup? I did not. Because uh, there was a player that he has been around for a long time, and he scored his last points today. Uh, Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce. He ended up scoring his final points in the third quarter, I believe, he ended up making a layup, and then he got fouled. So his last points was a free throw, and uh, he got the end one to go for him. And uh, it's kind of, you know, who's who's the next player that you see like on that list that's that's been, that's been around for a while? And and the one guy I brought up and I, I was thinking about automatically was Vince Carter. He's forty years old. They get eliminated from the playoffs over the weekend, and right after the game. He's he's next. He's right next to the uh, the press the press conference room. He's in there lifting weights, blaring music, and getting ready for next year already. He's forty freaking years old, and he's already has the mentality of hey, I need to get ready for next year. But you have these guys that are you know thirty five, thirty, twenty five years old that are sitting there and you know sulking and licking their wounds and just all all upset about it. Like it's a business. Sit there. If you win, you win. If you lose, get ready for next year. And I think Vince Carter is that that next guy that. That that's might be the one that not not the next face of the NBA, but kind of one of those uh, cornerstones or one of those those uh, ambassadors of the NBA that you don't hear a lot about. Yeah, and that's something that has been uh, very well known and brought up is these superstars getting this last hurrah, and it's been happening for years. And, and Paul Pierce got his due, and it, I could see Vince Carter being that guy, but either Vince Carter or Dirk. It just depends on when Dirk wants to handle Well, I think Dirk, I think it, it will happen for Dirk, but it'll be like a Western Conference thing because he hasn't been that big guy to where all over the NBA they're like, oh, I aspire to be like Dirk. But he's the top 10 scorer in I, NBA I, history. Like it's just And honestly, I think, and he's the, he's kind of the, the I won't say the ambassador, but uh, no, he's I, the one, he's a trendsetter that made the big man able to shoot threes. Not even the big man able to shoot threes. European basketball players, he started the huge trend, and he was kind of the he kind of grandfathered the, the NBA into uh, you know foreign basketball players, and and that's we have to think about it. That's since he came over, you've had Manu, you've had Tony Parker, you've had Darko. <laughs> uh, I won't even throw Darko in there because he didn't do anything in, throughout the NBA. But you had guys, and then you have guys like Ricky Rubio, and you have Porzingis out of uh, uh, for for the New York Knicks. So you have guys that have come over, you know, come over from overseas, and they're actually making a career for themselves. And it looks, and and then they're aspiring to be great. 
and they want to be just like Dirk, being that guy that when you go back to your to your home country like Germany, that hey, you know you're you're a legend, you know kind of like Yao Ming over in, in in China, you know Yao Ming's freaking president of China now because of what he's done, because of what what people have aspired to be like him. It's uh, it's a a trend he started, and he they, you know he's a trendsetter, he's a he's an ambassador, he's a, a legend. And you know, there's going to be multiple of those. Real quick, before I get into the NHL playoffs and the, and the rest of the matchups in the uh, NBA, because we didn't talk about the two teams that everybody talks about, but I wanted to just talk about last segment. We talked about young players coming into the league and, and being arrogant. Well, the Lions, Tez Tabor. Did you see what he said in his press conference in Allen Park? I didn't hear what he said. I just I saw that he was a little upset. Channeling his LeVar ball is what it's called. He said, press play, watch the tape. Meaning, I'm sick of hearing it. He, him and his family all wore the t-shirts at the dra- uh, while they were watching the draft. And he said, he's sick of hearing about how he's slow on his 40 time. He knows. And he says it shouldn't have stopped him from being a first-round pick and making first-round money. But he's happy to be a lion, and he feels like Darius Slay is going to teach him a lot. But it's just the arrogance there. So I, that's a local prospect. You know, I wanted to say, you know, just explain another example. So to get back to the NBA, you have the Golden State Warriors taking on, I believe it was the. The uh, the Jazz. That's that's who it is. Yeah, because it, they finished today. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I was to say NBA reseeds. That's why I was trying to figure out who was the lowest seed. Yeah, the Jazz. That's Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday in, night in, in Golden State and in, in, in San Francisco or Oakland, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, and then in the other one, it's Rockets and Spurs, isn't it? And then you have a very anticipating matchup of uh, the Raptors and Cavaliers. So. Uh, there's some good second-round matchups. And both those teams finished off with the same record. So you could have potentially even had a team like, you know, Indiana. They would have had to play a team like, you know, Toronto last series. And you would have had a team like the Cavaliers would have had to play a team like, you know, Milwaukee. And Milwaukee was a lot more tough than I think the Indiana Pacers were. And that's just coming from – that's just being a 6-7 seed kind of, uh, you know, mismatch. So, honestly, I feel that – Looking at this next round for round two of the uh, NBA playoffs, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good matchup. Honestly, I, I I see the Celtics going probably to six games with the Wizards, and honestly, I see this Cavaliers Raptors matchup. I think it goes to seven games, and it's gonna be whoever whoever has the momentum back in Game Seven. You know, yeah, you're gonna be back in Cleveland for Game Seven, but that's gonna be a matchup for that. And then looking at the Western Conference, you have, like we like you said, Golden State and the Jazz. I think Golden State will be able to run away with that. I think Golden State's a, a very good team. And, you know, you look at a potential MVP candidate in uh, James Harden taking on the always, always tough to defeat the San Antonio Spurs. And Memphis exposed San Antonio in the first round. They exposed them. Nobody expected the Spurs to have to play six games. Nobody. And... They're pretty close to having to play seven games. That was a really close series. If James Harden takes that series over, because the MVP voting's not done. I know they don't count the playoffs. They're not supposed to take the you know, that into account. But if James Harden leads his team to the Western Conference Finals, I think you might see some people changing their votes before they submit them. So, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I still think it's going to be Golden State-Cleveland, unfortunately. And I'm looking at the uh, the NHL playoffs. Um, the, the the biggest game for tonight, it's it's that Penn's Caps game. Game you know, three. Game three. And game it's, three. And Pittsburgh's and looked unstoppable. That all right. Series. I'm going to get out. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Did you know think I sent you the other day, the Pens and Caps? That's kind of funny. It's kind of clever. But for Red Wings fans out there, you got to start getting nervous. Two of your historic streaks could be snapped in the same year. Your playoff streak of 25 consecutive years was snapped. And the last team to win back-to-back Stanley Cup championships was the Detroit Red Wings in 97-98. Can they be dethroned as the last team to win it 
by Pittsburgh this year because they look pretty darn good. And uh, Washington, I don't know what's what Washington's problem is. They've got so much talent, but yet they do it every single year. The series, uh, you know, in the Western Conference, Edmonton and Anaheim's a phenomenal series so far through three games, and Nashville and, and St. Louis is, you know, a phenomenal series through three games. I know Nashville's up two to one, and uh, in that series, so. And there's uh, another series going on in the Eastern Conference, and nobody's talking about what this team is doing. This team is continuing their magical ride through the regular season, riding Craig Anderson, and that's the Ottawa Senators. They're up 2 nothing on the New York Rangers, and it's just it's kind of crazy with what they're doing and how they've been do- how they've been doing it. It a six five win on Saturday, and the guy who scored the overtime game-winning goal in double overtime, Gene Gabriel Pajot, scored his fourth goal of the game on that overtime goal. So Ottawa's getting hot right now at the right time. Uh, can they beat Pittsburgh? Hell no. But uh, I think Edmonton or Nashville, Anaheim, or even St. Louis, I think one of those teams could give them a run for the Well, do you think like, anything could happen throughout the NHL? It's, you know, if you Washington's look- not coming back if you're going to ask me that. No, Jack, I was going to say. Nope. Is there a team in this playoffs that can knock off Pittsburgh? Yeah, one of those four in the Western Conference. And that was and that was my question. Was, if I had to give one, I'm going to say Edmonton. Really? McDavid versus Crosby one on one would be a phenomenal matchup. They probably shut down each other. Yes, Pittsburgh has other big pieces, but the way Cam Talbot played all year for for Edmonton. The way the young defense of Edmonton has stepped up, and the other forwards, I think Milan Lucic would just get in Malkin's head, would get in Crosby's head, would get in all of the Penguins' heads. Zach Cassian's had a great playoff, and uh, I don't. Know, I think Edmonton would have a really good chance. And I'd, I'd like to see. I, I'd be okay with the St. Louis matchup, seeing Tarasenko and Crosby going at it. Anaheim's got the veteran team, but. It's, Does uh, Washington win any games from no, Pittsburgh? I, <laughs> I, I want to say yeah, but with that team, I mean, Braden Holtby got pulled on Saturday night after three goals. That's how bad he has been in the playoffs. He is a different goalie in the playoffs. And it's, it's, wasn't he 4-2 and two heading into that game one this past week because they went to six games? Yep. So he was 4-2. and two, Like, yeah, you got the but four But you wins, win but. against Toronto. You were the... President's Trophy winner again. They since Crosby came in the league, they have never made it to a conference final. That's saying something. That was 04. 13 years in the league, and you've never made it past the conference to the conference finals. Embarrassing. If you're Barry Trotz, you're a hell of a coach, but you better be fearing your job, especially if you get swept by Pittsburgh. After getting embarrassed in back-to-back games at home, Washington fans need to be worried because they are choke artists. So uh, there's my NHL. So we're not quite done with the NHL yet because we didn't talk about the draft, the draft lottery. Like I said, the only thing you I really keep reminding me about that. <laughs> it just, it just that keeps bothering thing. me. Uh, no, just just looking back at it and looking at what happens. Like I said, I was just like I completely forgot that it happened over the weekend. And looking back at it, and I'm just like, well, you know, the the Detroit Red Wings, they were what? Out of the worst teams in the NHL, they were top seven worst? I think they were the seventh. They had the seventh best chances to get the number one overall pick, like 8.4% or something like that. They finished off at 6.71. Okay. But so looking back at this at this uh, draft lottery, you have t- you have a team like – the Islanders, who got that 15th pick. Then you went Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, Carolina, the Kings, the Panthers. Then you Detroit Red Wings right number nine. So you're like, okay, Bit of a well, surprise. So, okay, like they're if they were the seventh worst team, they're two teams down. So, I mean, two teams that were better than them got higher draft picks, whatever. It is what it is. So you get a team like Buffalo at number eight. And then, you know, the Coyotes at number seven. Then the Vegas Knights come in at six. Now, why'd they come in at six? Is it just to happen to be where, where they, they got pulled? They couldn't pick higher than third. 
and they couldn't pick lower than seven. So that was where their 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 ball came up. Yep. So then, so the Knights came at number six, the Canucks at five, the Avalanche at four. The Avalanche was the worst team in the NHL this last year. They had less points than they did losses. When you get two <laughs> points a win and one point every game you go to overtime, if even if you lose, so if you go to overtime and lose, you get one point. You had less points than you had losses. I think they had 59 losses. It's, But they got the number four pick. That's the lottery for you. So then Dallas goes at number three. Which was surprising, but they're going to get a good talent. That team's going to be good. The Flyers come at number two. And didn't they have like the 14th best chance to get it? So they, they had a 2.20% yeah. they, they were They were like 14th or 13th. Projected and just comparing that to the worst team in the NHL, the Avalanche, they were at a seventeen point nine four percent chance. So they were fifteen percent less likely to get that number one overall pick, and they got the number two overall pick. And then the number one overall pick goes to the New Jersey Devils, who had an eight point five two percent chance to get that number one pick, and they got it. For Edmonton, or Edmonton, I'm used to them being the number one overall team. For New Jersey <laughs> and Dallas and Philly. They've got to be licking their chops. They got three phenomenal talents. They're not Austin Matthews and Patrick Line, you know, caliber or McDavid and Eichel caliber, but uh, you've got some some decent talent at the top top of that draft. Uh, maybe like three players. This draft is weak. This has been a draft that everyone's been talking about is weak. If you have any good young players. Or if you have a high pick, you're trying to package maybe a a, for a second or third rounder next year for a first round next year, or maybe a, a player that would you'd be better suited to get. Because a lot of these players, they say, will have to be guided in through the minor league systems instead of jumping right to the league like the other guys. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna go to a quick commercial break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk some quick tigers because i'm getting sick of this team you're listening to the downriver download i'm jonathan chance and i'm andrew cox and we are from the downriver download you can hear us live every monday night at 6 30 p.m also be sure to like us on facebook the downriver download and follow us on twitter at drdl14 you also can hear us archived on Facebook or Twitter, also on Podbean. You won't regret it, so make sure you check us out. Hey guys, this is Jesse Goss from the Spokesbeat Podcast. Check us out each week as we talk about the latest Bruins action, talk about their push to the playoffs, and anything else that's happening around the NHL. You can follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook. You're listening to the Downriver Download. Yes, you have to hear this atrocious song, April and the D. God, I hate it. And I'm so glad they didn't do a new one this year. And if they did, I didn't hear it once. So, yes, April in the D is officially over because today is Monday, May 1st, 2017. Uh, I'm Andrew Cox alongside Jonathan Johnson. I'm glad uh, you've been able to join us so far. Uh, we're going to talk some Tigers. And, yes, that is the only team in the city of Detroit that played any meaningful games in April. So, uh, and if you can count opening day being meaningful. Well, I, I think, well, the Pistons weren't technically they, taken they, out of the playoffs April 1st, but they played some meaningful games, but that meaningful game was pretty much that Miami game early, early in April where they got that, where Miami got that tip in with no time left on the clock. So, other than that, I think that was the only meaningful game really played in April. Looking back at all these Tiger games that, have uh, they've been struggling all year long? But hey, they won over the weekend. They lost two or three to the Chicago White Sox, but they got the W uh, with uh, who pitched yesterday? Was it no Zimmerman? Zimmerman pitched. So uh, and Zimmerman he still went like five innings and like eleven hits or something like that. So it's uh, honestly it's 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 kind of <laughs> it's kind of. Uh, 
uh, it's different because Zimmerman, he hasn't been that that go-to guy all season long. And uh, the kind of weird thing is, though, it's every time he goes out there to pitch, it's either cold or raining. Every time. He never gets, like, 75 and sunny. He never gets that. He gets, like, the, the 65, 60 degrees, raining, 90% chance of rain. It's it's just it's it was just what what it's just what happens for him. But he got the W over the weekend, and uh, it's sad when uh, and and he kind of brought this up to me earlier you know earlier today. Anyways, it was a point was brought up to you that whenever Pelfrey pitches, the Tigers lose. Yeah, the funny <laughs> thing was uh, when the, the the Detroit Tigers are used to losing when Mike Pelfrey pitches. Well. They lost the other day when Pelfrey pitched for them. So technically, they didn't get the loss against him, but you end up giving up four runs in the last two innings because our bullpen sucks. So uh, in, we're, I'm going to break down the standings real quick. I'm just going to talk about the first place team in each division and the last place team because it's kind of shocking. These some of these standings. The best team in baseball is who, John? Can you guess who the best team in baseball? Uh, I think is? the best team in baseball. I. Th- Think it's I think they had a little molly whopping over the weekend too. I think it was Washington. I think Washington Nationals are the best team in baseball, and they have the biggest lead of any division in in baseball too. So uh, the best team in the American League gets a two way tie between the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees. So uh, the Yankees and Orioles are tied at fifteen and eight, leading the division. The Toronto Blue Jays are last in the division at eight and seventeen. Toronto, eight and seventeen. I bet you Jose Bautista's kicking himself. I bet, they, I bet they miss Encarnacion. Well, speaking of Encarnacion, the Cleveland Indians are 14-10. and 10. They are in first place in the American League Central. The Sox, White Sox are half game out. Minnesota game and half out. Tigers two games out. And in last place in the division, because the Tigers are 12-12, 12 and 12, in last place in the division, the Kansas City Royals 7-16. and 16. And the Royals came out over the weekend saying that even if their struggle, like even if the struggle bus continues, you know, through you know, the rest of May and June, they're not going to be trading any of their pieces. Which honestly, what pieces they do they really they have so late? Hosmer, Hosmer's leaving. He's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free after agent. this year. Moustakis is Alex a free Gordon agent. is still there. Moustakis is a free agent this year. After this year, Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, and Alcides Escobar. All four of those guys are all free agents at the end of the year. I'd sit there. I'd, if I was if I was Alvila, hey, uh, we'll give you. What can we give you for Hosmer or Lorenzo Cain? Give or, me a center fielder. You can have Cain. Jacoby Jones. Let me sign Lorenzo Cain to a five year extension. I'd rather have him than what we've had in center field. Uh, so <laughs> continuing in the American League West, it looked tight for a little bit. It looked like there was going to be some teams floating around. Houston's kind of taken off the last few weeks and. Uh, they're 16-9, lead the division by three games. And in last place, another team that we've predicted to be a wildcard team, Seattle, 11-15. and 15. So you have three teams that a lot of people were talking about being in the playoffs. And uh, I think the only division, Houston and Cleveland, are the two division leaders that a lot of people probably had. But a lot of people had Toronto, Kansas City, Seattle, Texas, as and even Boston. Or Boston winning the East is what people project. But those four teams as potential wildcard teams, and right now they'd all be out of the playoffs. So your your teams in the playoffs in the American League right now would be Houston would be hosting the uh, the Indians, and Baltimore would be hosting the winner of the Yankees and the White Sox Jeez. in the wildcard. And probably the White Sox would try it out Mike Pelfrey as their wildcard game. So let's go to the National League. As I stated earlier, at 17-8, the Nationals are in first place. In last place in that division, 10-14, and 14, New York Mets. They've been snake-bitten by a lot of injuries, but I think Washington just runs away with that division. Uh, Washington lost a major player, though, and uh, Adam Eaton. He is out for the rest of the season with the torn ACL. Uh, I, I can see them making a move, though, because they have a lot of pieces. It might be McCutcheon time. Honestly, I, I I don't think Pittsburgh tries to get rid of him just yet. I think with with we'll talk about Pittsburgh here coming up right now. I'm just all right. So in first place, uh, the Chicago Cubs, and uh, and that's a tight division. Nobody expected them to only have a game lead on St. Louis and uh, and Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Well, I want to talk about the Hulk too. Cincinnati's only two games out. And Pittsburgh's two games out, but Pittsburgh isn't last place in the division. And then the, I think the most interesting 
division in baseball. The leader of the NL West, the Colorado Rockies, are 16-9. and nine. And who called that? Did somebody on the show call Colorado being good? And they don't even have Ian Desmond yet? Come on. Come on. Does anyone else hear someone tooting their own horn or I mean anyone else hear a train whistle? Did you did you hear uh you know the Spoke B when I did say Ottawa was gonna be a dangerous team at the first episode of the Spoke B I said Ottawa will be a playoff team, Ottawa will be dangerous. And Ottawa's doing big things in the playoffs. I'm just saying. I, I you know, sometimes uh weren't you the one that picked what? black when we were down in Cleveland? Hey, you know what? <laughs> I guess he couldn't pick all winners. So, you know, like like they say, the uh uh, the the hardest pitch to catch is a fluke. Well, sometimes you, you know catch one. But so, uh, yeah. So Colorado sixteen and nine. Arizona's in second that division, fifteen and eleven. The Dodgers are at fourteen, twelve, and then you have San Diego eleven and sixteen. And another team, a lot of people, um, you know, pick this team to be a playoff team in San Francisco, and they're nine and seventeen. They are the worst team. In baseball, second worst team behind Kansas City. I thought they're behind, aren't they behind Toronto? Toronto's eight and something. Eight and seventeen, nine and seventeen. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, the one extra window wouldn't that make them better? It it makes Toronto by like a percentage point, or uh, San Francisco by like a percentage oh. point. But it's uh, it's a uh, been an interesting season. Do you have anything to say besides the injury bug and for the Tigers? I mean, the bullpen's pissing me off already. We knew that was going to happen. The bullpen's the bullpen. Uh, Starters will look shaky lately. Honestly, I think the best starter that we've had so far is Boyd. Like, he had that bad start early in the season in, in Boston, not in Boston, in Chicago. And since then, he's probably been the one guy we've been able to lean on. Him and Fulmer. JV's gotten roughed up twice. Zimmerman's looked like crap, like he did last year. And Daniel Norris is a lost cause. I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't you know, think he. I don't think he's going to be much in anything. And Daniel Norris has been hit or miss. He's been very you know, miss. So then, <laughs> then you look at your bullpen, and honestly, I can't sit there and say what one player in the bullpen has been the the the, the great. The Justin great Wilson was looking great. Alex Wilson was looking great, and then this weekend. It, it just the, the wheels fell Hit off. Hit the fan. It's it's then K Rod. It's K Rod. Oh K Rod. K Rod. No, no, I don't even. How about that? I'll just can, I'll just cancel the show forever if you keep, if you talk about you know, him. Right but now. but back to but back to what we were talking about before. You you want to talk about the 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 players that might get traded? And you said Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. I don't think McCutcheon will get traded at least anytime soon because of the whole Starling Marte thing. And I think the Pirates knew what Starling Marte, what happened with him, and he was going to get suspended sometime during the season, so they didn't trade McCutcheon because they did. Because like, you would have done that, you would have had no center, you would have literally no center fielder and no right fielder at that at, at that point. In the Pittsburgh season. really going to be a contender this year? I don't think they're going to be a contender, but no, ma- just, no, no matter how bad the Tigers are, are they going to trade away Verlander? Are they going to trade away Cabrera? But. The difference is there is some serious rumors around. McCutcheon was okay with it. And then his first game back in center, he made that catch and said, this is my spot. You know, he kind of showboated and went out of his character a little bit. If you're Washington, the rich are going to get richer. If they offer, because they have a lot to offer that could be big pieces. Pittsburgh doesn't just need one guy. They need multiple guys. That team's bad. When you have John Jaso playing right field, just to keep his bat in the lineup, he's hitting like 100. So hey, I don't know why. John Jaso, he uh, he's the uh, he should be the mascot of the team with his I mean, dreadlocks. He probably his... wouldn't be good at that either. So, <laughs> no, uh, but... I I can see a team like the Tigers falling out of it and and selling one of their big guys. If if, if the Tigers fell out of it, who would be the guy that you think would end up getting traded? Kinsler. Really? Yep. Either him or JD, but JD's hurt. And I think it hurts him in the free agency, so you might be able to get him on the on, on the lower side. Honestly, Kinsler's the guy. I'd you don't say. think so. we would try to give away Jay up? Nope. Jay up can opt out of his contract after this year. He's he's not valuable to anybody because if he, if he goes to a team that he doesn't want to play for, he just opts out. Yeah, but if you go for if you're going to get traded, you're going to get traded to a contender at that point, wouldn't you? You end up you wouldn't go you wouldn't go to a team like Kansas City. Or a team like 
Pittsburgh or but a team like sometimes, you know, San Francisco. Sometimes uh, players don't like to go to the big market, and if they're a contender this year, doesn't necessarily mean they'll be a contender. Might not be the best fit for them, you know, for the next however many years of their contract. So, True. it's there's a lot. I mean, it's May first. We got a lot. We better not trade Kenzo. I just bought a Kenzo jersey. <laughs> well, I got news for you. Either way, this is the last year of his contract. So, uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna probably wrap things up on that note, uh, and uh, well, John always says I always buy my shirts, and they always end up leaving. Well, ladies and gentlemen, say goodbye to Ian Kinsler because he's probably gone now. Thanks to John. All right, again, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Watch some good playoff hockey. Washington, Pittsburgh, still waiting for puck to drop here from Pittsburgh, and uh, Washington needs a big win tonight if they're gonna. Get uh, back in this series. If not, it's going to probably be Asa La Vista. Before I go, I want to ask you this one question. It's about Washington. Do you think, I was talking to my brother about this. He brought this up and I said, dude, you're crazy. The more I watch Washington play, he's not crazy at all. Do you think the Washington Capitals should trade Alexander Ovechkin this offseason? Or expose him to Vegas? Honestly, I think if you try to expose them to Vegas, are they going to sit there and try to swoop up that contract? Would they sit there and go out and... I don't think you expose them. And, and again, I just threw the exposing. And he, he told me. He, he said, Drew, they're running out of time. He's 34. You haven't won crap with him. It's kind of like with Zetterberg right now, too. You haven't won crap with him. You've never done... You're losing value. Zetter, see, with Zetterberg, you don't have much value left. He's... Look at all. Ovechkin hasn't slowed down yet, so this is probably if you're going to get rid of him, your your most opportune time to get rid of him and and get something decent in return, and still get his value at 34 years old. Would you do it if you're the Capitals? Would you rebuild if you get eliminated again by Pittsburgh? If you get swept, this is my thing. Why would you rebuild as a number one seed? They're blowing it up. Oh, it's, she's a, oh, she's a free agent. Justin Williams is a free agent. Carl Olsen is a free agent. I'm just it's 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 it's, it's crazy. That's like saying like, would you trade a guy like Mark Teixeira when he was with the Yankees and just rebuild? It's you know, and let's say Mariano and G and 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 Jeter were free agents at the time. It, I know I know it's a different. You're, it's that's a different. Atmosphere because it's the Yankees and you wouldn't get rid of a guy like Jeter or Mo, but that's that's kind of crazy to think though you know of, of trying to blow the, you know of, of it's blowing just, up. If the, you're uh, not team. going anywhere, if you're not going anywhere, you haven't made the conference finals, not even the Stanley Cup finals. You never made the conference finals. He's 34, entering age 35 season, and you can still get a decent haul back for him when you're losing a bunch of key players on your roster, you could consider building a team around Nicholas Backstrom, John Carlson. Yeah, oh, Kevin Shattenkirk. They traded for him at the deadline. He's a free agent as well. So you're losing a lot of talent. Very serious questions coming out of Washington because you have a lot of people wondering what's going on. I got one question for you. I know we're getting towards the tail end of the show. And uh, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a Red Sox fan, correct? Yes. Did this last week with this series against the Yankees, did it prove that the Red Sox need David Ortiz? And by the way, and, and while you're thinking about that, this is what ticked me off about a Red Sox game I saw over the weekend. Ben Attendee hits a home run right to the same spot Ortiz did back in 13. And he had that same bullcrap-looking police officer out there in the bullpen, throws his hands up in the air just like he did against Torrey Hunter, and I'm just and it just brought back memories, and I just got instantly ticked off. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just get ticked off just seeing something that you remember from the past happen in a game? Because the the, the I can't remember who the player was, if it was whether the Chicago game over the weekend or the Yankees games, but the player didn't flip over the fence. But it was literally hit to the same exact spot, and the cop just threw his arms up in the air. And I looked at that, and I'm like, I, I hate that cop still. Like, it's just, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand looking at that cop again. It's just, it was just, un, it was just, it just irked me. And I don't know what it, it might have just been just the memories of t- 2013 again, but it just, it just got on my my bad side. I don't know. 
It's uh, so those are the two things. Have you ever had that kind of moment where you just see? I it, haven't had that moment, but yes, they need Ortiz. <laughs> would you, would, if you're a right, for the Red Sox, you spend twenty million to do so? Short and sweet. You got you got you, you got to replace him. You didn't really replace him. All right, so uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everyone. listening to the Down River Download. The Down River Download has been hosted by Jonathan Schantz and Andrew Cox. The Down River Download can be heard every Monday night at 6.30 p.m. Be sure to listen afterwards by clicking on the link on Facebook or Twitter.